The Case of the Gilded Plum A Detective Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller Erotic Mystery By Brent Constantine Chapter 5 Detective Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller was abruptly thrust roughly by the husky gruff uglies into a robustly overstuffed armchair where, cussing, he shared a rare glare in the lair of the debonair millionaire. Pretzel gentlemen, I presume, Brunt said, feeling the butt of three or four guns at the back of his head, at least three more at his back, and one or two pointed at his feet. These guys knew what they were doing. Any part of his body was a weapon, and he also had all the regular weapons that he carried with him at all times. Bravo, detective, Pretzel Gentleman said slyly. His huge, baby-like head was covered in wispy blonde hair that hung in thin curls around the shoulders of his eggshell blue velvet romper. Gentleman offered a queasy smile, taking a salty bite of an extra-large pretzel. His signature food, as well as his actual signature. And bravo to you, Mr. Gentleman. Bront said, applauding with his eyes because his arms were pinned down with metal cuffs. You've done well for yourself. A bar, staff, a room where you keep lingerie, this chair with metal cuffs that are pinning my arms down. Gentleman licked a large salt cube off his pretzel with his long, thin tongue. Bront imagined his own tongue was that long. What a different world that would be. He stuck his tongue out as far as it would go. Nope. Not even close. Rockefeller realized everyone was looking at him and slowly pulled his tongue back into his head. But he knew that his tongue was probably longer than many of those in the room, and they knew who they were. To what do I owe the pleasure of your visit, Mr. Rockefeller? Pretzel said. I'm feeling immense pleasure right now. I wish you could feel my body. It's vibrating with pleasure. Feel my hand rumble. The club owner's lieutenant, still feeling shame after his devastating defeat in classic family rules poker, wouldn't meet Bront's eyes as he lifted one of Gentleman's dainty paws. That's it, Rumble! Gentleman purred, his body now trembling minutely. Don't be afraid to really touch it. What do you think? Yes, sir, Rumble said. I can feel your pleasure tremors. Very good, Rumble, Pretzel Gentleman said, dismissively. Do you know why I opened the Pretzel Gentleman's Gentleman Club, Detective? No, of course not. Men like you never do. Gentleman hopped neatly out of his desk and moved toward the window. His hired thugs tried to move out of his way, but he deliberately repositioned himself so that he would stumble into them. Pretend to be angry and then chuckle at his little joke before giving them a pat on the shoulder. This went on for several minutes before he made it over to the wall of the room. It was a time when this part of town was known as the Pretzel District. It still is, but back then it meant something important. Gentlemen played delicately with the curtains, fingering the heavy drapes. My father worked in the pretzel mines. Did you know that, Rockefeller? Brunt struggled with his cuffs. Everyone was watching gentlemen, except for all of the guards who were watching him. It was the best opportunity he was going to get. If only I could break this steel with my hands, he thought. He needed to buy time in order to quickly build up his hand strength through thousands of micro-hand exercises until he was powerful enough to force his way out of steel. Sorry, could you repeat all of that a few times? I have an inner ear condition that allows me to hear only certain frequencies of sound. But the frequency changes all the time, so you'll need to keep experimenting with pitches and volumes until I respond. Then you'll know I can understand. My father worked in the pretzel mines. Did you know that, Rockefeller? 
It's a ruse, sir, Rumble said sourly. He didn't have this condition downstairs or even a few seconds ago when you were talking with him. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Rumble? Bront asked. Really, go fuck yourself. No one gives a fuck what you think. No one likes you. Look, everyone. Anyone who likes Rumble, put the hand up right now. No one's doing it. No one likes you at all. Stay the fuck out of my business. This doesn't concern you. God damn it. Bravo, detective. Gentlemen applauded. Looks like the stories of your amazing abilities and skills haven't been embellished. When I read the story about you in Amazing Abilities and Skills magazine, I didn't see how it could possibly be true. But here's the living proof. And I plan to keep on living, Brown said. And the proof... Is in the pudding. You might just be putting all your eggs in one basket. I think you'll find that things might just go to hell in a hand basket for you. Not when your hands are tied. Right now, I'm fit to be tied. The only thing I see is a hissy fit. Uh, hissy, missy, wissy. Gentleman laughed and stroked the large pelican that he had had as a pet with him this whole time. Looks like you lose, detective. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a date with some men who hate to be kept waiting. Uh, you'll be waiting for the other shoe to drop while I'm waiting in the wings, and it'll be an accident waiting to happen. Ha ha! Too late, detective! Gentleman slipped on his mink skin gloves and beaver tail scarf. Now, if you'll excuse me again, I really must be going. Rumble, please make our guests comfortable. While I'm away. As the door shut, Brunt looked around the room. Boxes and boxes of off-brand black market lingerie. An entire wall that was just a fish tank. Ten armed guards. Another wall that was just an ant farm. And, on the final wall, one of those mix-your-own fountain pop machines that they have in movie theaters. Brunt loved those machines. It gave audiences the thrill of working at a movie theater with none of the drama. Brunt knew that he only had one chance to escape. He didn't know what that chance was yet. But when it arrived, he was pretty sure he'd probably... Probably recognize it. You've made me look like a fool in front of Mr. Gentleman, Rumble cried. I'm supposed to be in charge of the club, and now I'm super embarrassed. I'm really embarrassed. I've never been this embarrassed before, and it's your fault. Brunt chuckled coolly. His chuckles might be cool, but his mind was white hot. But so hot that it was cool as ice. You're laughing at me? Rumble snapped his fingers to make a snapping sound, and one of the thuggish attendants heard the snap and then lifted Rockefeller over his shoulder, chair and all. Well, you won't be laughing for long, Brontosaurus V. Rockefeller. Take him to the clown room! Brunt struggled like a little grub, making small manly sounds as he huffed and scruffed against the bare nautical cologne-scented shoulder of his captor. Why don't you team up with me, big fella? Brunt whispered into the big fella's ear. Time to turn your life around and show the world you're not just a brainless, ugly, worthless stooge by listening to me and doing exactly what I tell you to, you ugly idiot. The man gave no indication that he had heard. Brant assumed that that was because he was so deeply swayed by the detective's offer and charisma that he had agreed to it instantly and now was playing cool so as to not draw attention to the newly aligned pair. Rumble led the group to a room on the top floor of the club where clowns of most shapes and sizes were packaging large pretzels into cardboard boxes to the hiss and whir of heavy machinery. Behind the clowns that were larger shaped who worked in their white gloves stuffing, folding, and taping the containers were smaller clowns 
supervisors. These tiny titans stood on wooden stools and would whip the larger clowns with novelty-sized licorice. The little honkers sneered up at Rumble and his crew, clearly upset to have their clown business disturbed by these disturbing clowns. Clear the room! Rumble shouted. The clown squealed, hopped onto the shoulders of the subordinates, and scurried out of sight with a cacophony of nose honks and giant footsteps. Brunt was dropped into the floorboards. The wind knocked out of him before he was able to inhale new, fresher wind. Okay, now! He shouted up to the man that had been carrying him moments before. It's time for our team-up! Now! Untie me and shoot everyone else! In any order! Okay. Now! Now! Okay, now! Okay, now! The guard only went to the end of the room and began fiddling with the dials and doohickeys on one of the larger machines that clearly didn't do anything. <laughs> wow, Brown said. I can't believe you betrayed me like this. I thought we had an understanding. When I get free, I'm for sure killing you first. Unless you're just playing cool and still on my side, in which case it's time to go now! Okay, now! You'll find this room quite inescapable, Detective Rockefeller, Rumble said, munching on one of the licorice whips that had been left behind. Black licorice, the sign of a true degenerate. This is where our clowns do the real business of the club. Can you guess what it is? Are you making pretzels to sell downstairs at the bar? Marking them up 1,000% to a captive audience that has no choice but to pay your outrageous prices due to your no outside pretzel policy inside the venue? Men and women desperate for that sweet and salty breaded knot, forced into debt to the club in order to satiate their twist cravings. No, we let people bring in their own food to the club all the time. We're the only nightclub that lets patrons bust a move on the dance floor while sharing a tray of 7-Eleven chicken hot wings. Brunt knew that if he could just keep the creep talking, he'd be able to escape somehow. His hope was that Rumble and all the other guards would need to go to the bathroom at some time, and that would be his chance to strike. Why don't you each have a few Arizona iced teas? Brunt suggested. You look thirsty from all the hard work of thinking about capturing me, capturing me, and then keeping me captured. Okay, I'll tell you what our plan is, Rumble said. It will be one of the last things you ever hear, and you'll never tell anyone about it. And you'll never be able to do anything about it or stop us from doing it. Brunt grunted in neither agreement nor disapproval of having the information explained to him. It was a truly neutral grunt. The club is just a front for some powerful investors, Rumble said, ignoring that the guards probably all already knew this and thus were bored or believed that they could tell the story much better than Rumble. Petzl Gentleman is just a middleman, packaging and distributing our new designer drug, Gronk, shaped as harmless everyday pretzels. Soon we'll be flooding the streets, and consequences will never be the same. Good luck with that! Brant laughed. <laughs> the drug market's already saturated with quality product and brand loyalty. What makes Gronk special enough to break up the established relationships between customers and small business owners? Rumble tried to open one of the pretzel packages with a dinky little pocket knife attached to his keychain. It wouldn't cut through the tape, and Rumble ended up just ripping the box apart with his hands and teeth. More than triple the potency and addictiveness of magic mushrooms, Rumble said, holding the pretzel up to his eyeballs where he could look at it closely. Gronk will soon allow us to dominate not only the drug industry, but the pretzel industry as well. Who cares if 10% of users turn into bloodthirsty mutants who begin to wantonly kill everyone around them? In our opinion, that will only drive up demand. 
It's factored right into our business plan. I don't believe you, Brown said. Why don't you give me a demonstration? Ha ha ha, Rumble said bitterly. I see no reason why I shouldn't honor the last request of a dying man, and the men deserve a sweet reward after all their hard work. They work hard, and it's time to play hard, Brown replied, winking hard at everyone in the room who averted their eyes immediately, obviously overwhelmed by such a powerful wink. Rumble passed out a round of pretzels to all ten of the guards, smiling and shaking hands. He was loving every minute of this power play. Rumble was finally the big dog, with pretzel gentlemen gone, who had taken all of his larger dogs with him. That's it. Get nice and high on these pretzels, everyone, Rumble said. It's time to prove to this pathetic detective just how high quality these illegal drugs can be. Rumble and Brontosaurus watched as a few of the men passed out, violently collapsing to the floor in a daze. Others swayed, their hands splayed out above their heads as they began to chirp like small birds. Chirp, chirp, one of them said. And now, Mr. Rockefeller, Rumble said, I believe that's your cue to exit. Exit life, that is. Not so fast, Rumble, Brown said. You might want to take a look behind you to see what I'm looking at. Rumble smirked smugly. Ha ha ha! I see no reason why I shouldn't honor a second last request of a dying man. He began to pivot on his feet, the first step in the process of turning around, which brought new by heart, having done it many times in the past. Standing behind Rumble was the bloated and grotesque figure that had formerly been his staff member, Bruce L. The Bruce L. name tag hung loosely from the thing's ragged flesh. It stood atop several of its passed out former colleagues, their shredded bodies torn asunder by huge claws. Looks like the next staff party is going to be pretty awkward, Brant thought to himself. Nice one, he also thought to himself. No, Rumble backed away from the creature. I forgot that there were ten gods, and ten percent of those who took the drugs were transformed into monsters. You knew, detective, and I played right into your hands. Brant watched as Rumble was cornered by the savage beast that was roughly the shape of a man, but more the shape of a savage beast. Look, I'm no threat to you, Rumble said, holding up his gun in front of him in surrender. Look, I'm not going to shoot you or even defend myself. We're friends. Remember all the good times we had together? Remember the interview this morning or the time I gave you that free sample of Gronk? Rumble gently placed his gun on Bront's healthy lap. See? Rumble pointed. He's the one with the weapon. He's the one you want. It was the last words Rumble ever said. The man that had been Bruce L. leapt onto his former assistant supervisor with the rabid glee possessed only by hulking perversions of science and Hollywood producers. Brown could only look on in happiness as his plan worked perfectly, smiling as Rumble's spine was ripped free from the spine hole that it had up to that point lived in. Hey buddy, good work. Now we can get out of here together and turn you back into a mostly normal guy. The abomination looked up from its meal of human gristle, claws slick with gore, its broken head tilted with a quick twist that made Brunt think of a bird, dead-eyed and hungry. Could there be any humanity left inside the thing he saw before him? Friend? The creature forced a croak out of its cavernous maw, the effort to use human speech a clear struggle for the thing. That's right, I'm your friend, Brown said. Move a little closer to the left. The thing dropped its kill and eagerly hopped to where Rockefeller had indicated. 
Then, using the special technique he had mastered after years sitting chained up in a chair, Brunt pressed against the gun with both thighs. His powerful leg flashed seeping into the trigger. Blammo! The gun, braced against the detective's solid genitals, slammed through the grotesque skull in front of him. Brunt could swear that he saw a single tear roll down the tumorous face of the fallen monster. Could it know, deep down inside, that this was the relief from its suffering? Could the thing that had once been a man have known that it couldn't live as a beast? Sleep well, my friend, Brunt eulogized. May you finally find peace. Rockefeller tilted his chair to the side and proceeded to roll through the sheet of blood covering the floor until he came to what remained of Rumble's body. Using his detective abilities, Brunt shuffled through the human effluence for a good 45 minutes before he found what he was looking for the keys to his cuffs. Now free to investigate, Brunt stood up after slipping on the slippery ground several times. How am I ever going to find clues to the mystery in all this mess? Brunt said, chewing on a stray length of now red licorice. No one said being a detective was easy, Brunt said to himself while moving the jaw of one of the severed human heads he was holding in his hands. You're going to need to look through everyone's pockets. It was the motivation he needed to hear. Brunt smiled as he hucked the head back into the corner of the room where he had found it. Car keys, $8,000, instructions on maintenance care for Coca-Cola freestyle touchscreen soda fountain, Brunt said, doing an inventory several minutes later. These aren't clues, they're just nice things which now belong to me, no questions asked. Rockefeller knew he didn't have much time. Who knew how long it would take until all the tiny clowns returned to their work? Even if they were done for the day, they were sure to be janitorial clowns that came to empty waste paper baskets at some point, and they probably had big licorice key rings that could do a lot of damage. Suddenly... A marumba ringtone sounded. It was one of the rings included in all new phones, but someone had gone to the trouble of changing from the default ring. A big mistake in Brunt's opinion, as marumba had ranked near the bottom of his recent Facebook post of all iPhone ringtones, before Bulletin, but just after Stargaze. Brunt traipsed across the room, his detective sneakers sluicing through blood. He found the phone hidden in a pile of brains he had overlooked. A private number appeared on the puppy and kitty's hugging lock screen. Rumble, it's me. I trust you've taken care of that devilishly handsome detective, Pretzel Gentleman said on the other end of the line. Mm-hmm, Bront said, disguising his voice by pulling his shirt over his mouth. Get that shirt out of your mouth, Rumble. I've told you a hundred times. I have another task for you before the gathering. Travel to the old jug boat garage and ask for Jerry. Bring the package to me tomorrow night. And don't fuck it up. The call ended and Brunt heard the signature zip of a deadly blade. Give me the phone, a woman's voice said behind him. A woman's voice? Behind me? Brunt exclaimed. Looks like this might just be my sexiest adventure yet. End of chapter five.